in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to ridingdancedown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 581 now of the Ron and Don Show. Yeah, it's Friday, so it's real estate only. It's just one topic, it's one segment, and Ron, today, let's talk about early offers and the power of an early offer, and when, in a real estate transaction, do you throw the checkbook down and write an early offer? Now, I have to say, over the past couple of years, one of my favorite things to do was to write an early offer on day one and throw the checkbook down and create as much pressure as I can. Before we get to that, though, let's talk about what an early offer is. And a lot of people are saying, well, what's the difference between an early offer and then I've heard of this thing called an offer review date what's the difference yeah let's rewind a little bit and just like set up some vocabulary words and some concepts so if you've been years and years and years where you haven't been buying or selling real estate these could be a little foreign to you because there was a time uh in the specific northwest when there was no such thing as an early offer because you just people put their houses up for sale and then when someone wrote an offer that was the offer and you sold the house and so what began to happen what created this whole concept well it was market demand so there at a time you know i don't know maybe 15 20 years in in that sort of range there became neighborhoods in the pacific northwest where the demand outstripped supply and so sellers were in a weird spot they're like well i don't know if i want to take the first offer that comes along what if there's a better offer there and I don't want to do first come, first serve. So legally, um, you know, it's part of fair housing. You can't discriminate against a buyer, right? That's a law. And, and so someone could say, oh, you didn't take my offer because I'm of my race or because of my religion. And so how do you protect the seller from not violating a fair housing standard and also make sure that you're getting the best possible offer that you can? So in the Northwest Multiple Listing Service, this concept evolved uh, of, of setting an offer review date. And so what that did is it notified the public of, hey, we are going to set a date. Our intention is to sell the date, sell the house on this date. We think we have a really hot property. We think it looks good. It's in a great location. We think the finishes are nice. We think our pricing is good. And so we're going to advertise that we're selling on this date. So what does that do? That protects you from fair housing because you are not, you're saying everybody bring your offers on this date. So it doesn't matter what your religion is or your ethnicity or whatever, the protected classes for fair housing, because we're doing it all on the same day, right? So it's a way then to get your seller the best possible offer. So now maybe you get two offers or three offers or six offers uh, on the offer review date. And so you can line them up on their terms, not violate fair housing, get the best deal for your seller. And it's a result of the, the property being in a hot market where there's no supply or there's no houses on the market. And there's a lot of people that want to buy that house. 
So now uh, there was a couple legal quandaries where you're in a situation where someone set an offer review date. We're selling it on the 10th. And then on the 7th, someone wrote an offer anyway. So now what do you do? I still don't want to violate fair housing. Uh, I still want to be fair to everybody. But I've publicized I'm doing it on the 10th. But now this offer came in. It's a really good offer. My seller wants to take this offer. What do I do? The lawyers got together and they put together. It's a little bit slippery. Now you have offer review date on the 10th. Parentheses. Seller may accept an earlier offer. So now we're, we're giving a disc. We're giving an out to the seller that says, if a really great offer comes in early, we're still able to take it. We're still not violating fair housing, uh, but our intention is to make it to the 10th. And so now you have some gamesmanship and some strategy. So now we have this either or situation. The seller's telling the marketplace, we think we're hot stuff. We want to go on the 10th. A good agent looks at that and goes, okay, you're right. You are hot stuff. That is a good neighborhood. My clients have been trying to live in that neighborhood. They really want it. So I'm going to, in a sense, read the tea leaves and know that I want to come in early, but it's going to take something special to to come in early and have you take my offer. Yeah, it's going to take a special price and special terms. So when you're coming early, for instance... You're not going to hang an inspection on a house because if I'm the realtor on the other side, I'm going to say, well, wait till the 10th because I bet we find somebody that's not going to hang an inspection. We've already done inspections, so why don't you look at our inspection? Uh, Some realtors don't do inspections. It's one of the reasons I always do an inspection on a house because I want to be ready for that that early offer. Uh, And so so let's say that that you're all cash and you can close in 10 days. Why are you going to wait till the 10th? Why are you going to do that? Why are you going to be escalated up uh, when the, with other offers on the table? So if, if I'm the realtor that's coming early, I let the other realtor know, hey, we're all cash. We're going to close in 10 days, not 30, not 45. We're waiving the inspections. We're waiving the financial. We're, we're waiving everything. Uh, and we're going to pay you 10% more than you were asking. But this offer dies on the 8th because you got to give them time to vet the offer. So we're giving you this on the afternoon of the 7th. It dies on the 8th at noon. And then this is what I have to tell the other realtors helping to sell the house. We will not be there on the 10th. We are not going to get rubbed. We're not going to get used. We're not going to escalate. This is the offer. The one and only offer. We want the house. It's cash and we want to close. That other realtor, even if he doesn't want to show that offer to his client, because a lot of times realtors are out skiing. And that realtor now, if you've offered this on the 7th, what you and he's preparing for the 10th, sometimes that realtor doesn't want to show their seller the offer. Legally, they have to. And Ron, sometimes the reason why they want to wait till the 10th is because this becomes very disruptive to the realtor. Because now what is that realtor that's helping sell the house? What do they legally have to do? They have to get to work to not only chat with you about the offer and vet the offer, but a lot of times they have to now let other people know that have seen the property that you're going early, right? Yeah, there is risk involved here. He's they're, they're not the technical requirement from the state of Washington is that the offer needs to be delivered. 
Um, so theoretically, a bad agent could just deliver the offer and not even explain it, which I think would be a dereliction of duty. But they could say, technically, I delivered the offer. And so now we're getting into the real nitty gritty of negotiation uh, of like how how badly does someone want something? How am I going to what's the best strategy to get that. that. That's what we're really talking about here is, is having more than one strategy. And so like Don and I have, when we open our toolbox on negotiation, there's not one tool in there. There's a bunch of different tools. So this is a strategy that works in a specific setup, a specific situation. And we've been on the other side when someone is using the wrong tool. Like we've been, I've been, we've had houses in the past where we're past our offer review date. An agent doesn't know what they're doing. They come in with an escalated offer uh, because they misread the market and they're not paying attention. And it's great for our seller because that person only has one tool in their toolbox. When you have multiple tools and you can go th- for this house, because I know the market is going to require this strategy. And, and again, that client, the other thing that we do that I don't think a lot of people do is we've spent time with that buyer to educate them on what they're waiving and are they comfortable with that? Because if you want to get a house in this neighborhood, I will tell people all the time, it's like the type of house that you're looking for, we're going to need to, to have a really strong offer. Let's do a practice so that you can ask all your questions about what it is that you're waiving. If you're voluntarily waiving your rights, I want you to be comfortable with that before the pressure is on and we're on deadline. Yeah, and what you're wanting your realtor to do is place the pressure on the other realtor, on the seller. You got to let them know that you're not going to be there on the 10th. And you got to let them know it's if it's a cash and close deal, you're going to cash and close. If you're FHA, for instance... And you don't have that much money to put down and you, the terms aren't great. You haven't been vetted by the bank yet. You can write early and and chances are the realtor on the other side is just going to say no. You don't have your ducks in a row. You saw something online. You were flipping through Redfin. All of a sudden you you weren't even the market to buy a house. And now all of a sudden you got to have this house. You're going to write an offer, but the other realtor is going to look at that and go, yeah, I, I, this, the, the terms of this offer aren't great. Uh, it doesn't create a lot of pressure, so we're going to hang on to the tent. But if you do your work, that's why we always encourage people, for instance, if you talk to Mitch at Mitch.loans, to make sure your paperwork is done, you're ready to go, you've been vetted, you've been underwritten. So even if you're not an all-cash offer, you can still supply a lot of pressure if, if you're underwritten and ready to go. And it's usually people that have written on another deal, they weren't underwritten, they lost it, and they said, this time around... We're going to do all the underwriting ahead of time. So, 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 so that way we can tell the other realtor, we are underwritten. We have evidence of funds. We are ready to go and close this deal. And that, that does, that does create pressure for the other side to take it early, especially in this market now where they don't know if there's going to be any offers on the offer review day. And what a lot of realtors will do in this market is wait till after the offer review day goes by. And then when they get to the 11th and 12th, then write an offer. And that's a low ball offer at that point. So that's what the, the seller and, and, and the agent have to figure out. 
Are we going to get lowball offers after the offer review? Are we going to have lots of offers on offer review that we can escalate against and demand more money? Or do we take this early offer and do we just take it and take it off the table? Or do we take this early offer, get on the phone with other realtors that have expressed interest and said, hey, we have this early offer. We're interested in it. What can you do? You have to be careful doing that because an agent can rescind their offer at any moment if they feel like you're shopping them, right? Yeah, and so this is why Don and I, you always hear us talk about a Ron and Don sit down. It takes time to get your finances in order. It takes time to learn a couple different strategies. It takes time to find that house and be comfortable. Sometimes you're throwing around millions of dollars. We want you to be educated and comfortable and not wake up a month later with buyer's remorse and go, why did I waive that inspection? There's a giant crack in my basement. I didn't even see that. Why? Ron and Don, why did we waive that? You didn't tell me that. It's like, no, we're going to, we're going to educate you so that you understand what it is that you're waving. Why did I waive finance? I can't, it cost me a bunch of money. No, we're going to explain this to you of what these documents are what they do, what their function is in the contract. And then depending on the house that you want or the condo that you want or the townhome that you want, we will educate you on what we feel like is going to be an offer that gets it done. Sometimes you can go in there and have all your contingencies preserved, but a lot of times you can't. How do you know the difference? And are you ready for that? That's what we're talking about here. And and, and I love that yeah. part. I love final, that part. Final question for you. You you always hear about the conversion of earnest money creating pressure. What, what does that mean, the conversion of earnest money, and how does it create pressure on the seller? I don't think it creates pressure on the seller. It creates security for the seller. So what earnest money is money that is at risk for performance. Um, if I am... You've got a million dollar house, Don. You're and selling. And is it. that different than money that you're putting down on the house versus versus yes. earnest money? And yes, it so, is. So how is that different? So let me let's give. What is the function of earnest money? You've got a million dollar house. You're showing it to a bunch of people. I want you to only be with me, right? I want you and I to have an agreement. How do I show you that I'm a, a, the real deal? And you're you're the buyer. I'm the buyer. You're the buyer. Okay. So I'm like, hey, Don. I love your house. I'm the real deal. I want you to stop showing it to anybody else but me. To prove to you that I'm real, I'm going to give you some earnest money. We're going to put it in an escrow account. I'm going to put $50,000 in this account, cash money. If I don't perform according to everything in this contract, you can take that money. You can take that 50 grand. And so hopefully you go, oh, that's impressive. I'm going to I'm going to stop showing it to everybody else. I'm going to take you up on your offer. So when I say um, I'm going to convert that money to a non-refundable deposit, I am telling you I'm a million percent confident that I'm going to perform. So what I'm going to do is basically give you $50,000 to sell me your house. You're going to convert you, it and put it in my bank account. You keep it. It's not in an escrow account. I'm giving it to you. That money counts as part of my down payment. It's not on top of my down payment. It doesn't increase the price of my offer. It just means that now I have taken, I've made things more secure for you. So worst case scenario for you is that I don't perform. You have to relist your house and you keep the $50,000. So that's a pretty good deal for you. And so the conversion of earnest money is a mechanism that people use. This is only to be used in the hottest of neighborhoods for the, the most competitive of houses. 
but it is a tool that will get people's attention as sellers because you get that money right yeah, away. Yeah, and, and we'll see people use that tool sometimes and they'll convert things to earnest money. They'll convert the earnest money. And, th- and you were talking about using the wrong tool. And and we know there's not another offer coming in and they didn't need to take that risk. They didn't need to use that tool yeah. and they didn't need to expose themselves in that way. And sometimes we're just scratching our head and going, why, why are they converting? They, did, they didn't need to do that. Or the other thing you'll see that's an improper use of the tool is someone that gives a giant down payment. Um, so they'll say they're not a cash buyer, but they'll say, I'm going to give you $400,000 down payment. It's like, well, that you're still have financing. Like it's impressive, I guess that you have that amount of cash, but it doesn't mean that you took away the financing. The cash buyer removes the financing addendum. They don't, they waive it. And so that's very different. Like it doesn't matter if you had, 90% down payment and still had a loan, you still have a financing addendum. So like that's a misuse of the tool where people feel like they're putting pressure on someone when they're really not uh, because they didn't, it didn't actually remove a contingency. It just meant you have a lot of cash, yeah. but not enough to buy the whole house. Yeah. So, so anyway, make sure if you're not talking to us uh, and you currently have a realtor uh, and you're going to go out and you're looking to buy something, Make sure you talk through some of these concepts. And whether you're on the buying or selling side, Ron does a real good job of practicing uh, so you're ready for the pressure when the pressure comes. And a lot of times, you're never fully ready for it, especially when the offers come early. And I think about a house we just sold, and we we had an offer come in that was a great offer. A it day was, two. It was well over $100,000, uh, well over ask. And our seller was ready. It's like, okay. We position the house for the price to escalate. This created a lot of pressure. They said they're not going to be there on the offer review date. They weren't. Uh, so we can't use that offer to, to go out and scrape. What we can do, though, is we can tell people, hey, have you had any early offers? We did, and we didn't take it. So that lets them know you're standing by the offer review date, and they better bring a really great offer on the offer review date because they're going to they're gonna have to, to, to beat out some other folks. You're hoping as the realtor. What happens if you're the realtor and you said no to an ask of over $100,000 of what you're asking, and now there's no offers on offer review date? As a, as a realtor, you effed up. You yeah, absolutely did. Yeah. That's, a, that's a risk you have to give to the seller, but it's the seller's choice. Yeah. Uh, and you need to give them your best professional advice and advocate for them. And ultimately, though, you don't make the decision. Yeah. So if you're selling, ask your realtor that question right up front. Are we doing an offer review day? What's our strategy? Or are we just taking offers as they come? And what what do we do if we get past the offer review day and we don't have any offers? It's just strategies for all of that. And uh, that's what we cover and Ron and Don, sit down, all right? Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, our buyer's playbook, our seller's playbook, or you just want to talk to us about real estate, we would we would love to talk to you. Yeah, Ron at ronandon.com, or you can uh, book an appointment digitally, ronandonsitdown.com. Yeah, ronandonsitdown.com. Don't forget, every Friday, it's a real estate-only edition of the Ron and Don Show. Hit a like, give us a like, give us a subscribe. That really helps us in the algorithm to share this show. Alright, this is Sit Down and Show. We'll see you next time. This is Ron and Don Show. Alright!